Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Fantasy Frenzy here on Sports 1440, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky, home of Alberta's best beef jerky locations in Leduc, Spruce Grove, and right here in West Edmonton Mall. Connor Halley, Brandon Douglas with you here on this snowy Wednesday morning here in the Capital Region. Hope you're all having a great day so far. Turn your lights on. Drive slow. Don't rush. Is it snowing out there, Connor? On my commute in from the south side of Edmonton, yes, it was snowing. A lot? A little bit. Is it like a nice dusty snow or like a heavy wet snow? Ooh, I think it's a little of both. Oh, one might there, say. There we go. Sure. You know what? It's not really that bad. But you know the city. You know drivers. Yes, Turn I your do. Lights on. Yes, I do. I actually, I want to ask you, and maybe people out there, dash cams. Do you have one? Would you ever invest in one? They're becoming more and more popular. I will say I do like watching dash cam videos on like Instagram. Usually from like uh, like semi trucks and people like cutting them off or, or crazy stuff in front. Because sometimes it's not even like that vehicle involved. It just catches something crazy that happens in front of them or something. Well, this morning I woke up at like 3.30. Couldn't fall back asleep. So I, you know, did my thing, played some video games, hung out. And then around 6, I decided I'll just go get a coffee at the local coffee shop and grabbed it. I was coming home and it was a, uh, a situation where there was two left turning lanes. So we got the, the green light to go. I'm on the inside lane. Said driver is on the outside lane. We both turn left. This person immediately cuts into my lane as we're going through the intersection. Then immediately it turns back into their lane and uh, no wave or anything. You know, had I been more uh, heavy on the pedal, we definitely would have had a little bit of an accident. But I was just thinking like the amount of stupid drivers we have in this city, I, I just want to get a dash cam and expose them and make sure I get their license plate in there yeah. and everything. Because like that's the littlest thing like that. You can't stay in your own lane. You shouldn't have a license. Yeah, just get the get the license plate number and then sick our uh, our hound Declan <laughs> Kruger on them to yeah. find their identity and everything. You, all he needs is a license plate, and he'll find you. Uh, Declan is very, um, very good. And then we'll show up, and we'll just give you like a, a strongly worded, "Don't do that." It's uh, us talking about Declan is like in Arrested Development. Um, them talking about uh, their lawyer. He's like, he's very good. <laughs> That's a show I got to get into a little bit more. Oh my god, I watched it like off and on, but I've never just like binged it in one sitting. The cup, the cup, the Netflix season or seasons. I can't remember they kind of split it in half, but like when it rebooted the, after that, they were, it was just okay. But the original seasons of that, like uh, from back in the early to mid two thousands, it is some of the funniest TV I've ever watched. Like it, it's just I love shows like that where the writing, like it's not like, you know punchline jokes and stuff. It's all subtle humor and reference humor and things like that where it uh, it's. There's no there's no laugh track or anything. It, you have to be paying attention to get most of the jokes. Yeah. And I live for that kind of thing. The laugh tracks are, are funny in some sitcoms. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Like, when I watch older ones, like, um, I'm not a huge Friends guy, but I admit, like, there, it has its moments and there's funny stuff. Uh, that, Seinfeld, I, I don't mind it in there, but when I watch newer sitcoms with the laugh track in it, I, I find it intolerable. I don't know <laughs> what it is. You watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah. When they create the show about the moms? Yeah. With the laugh track? Very. <laughs> the commentary on sitcoms in that show, very, very top notch. But long story short, might get a dash cam just in case uh, things go wrong. Cat dad texting in. You can do so too. one 401 I don't, or I have a dash cam. I don't always turn it on, but I've caught a few accidents on it. It's just handy. And I mean, it's just kind of going to that whole... What is it? Big brother. They're always watching. But my goodness, same thing happens on 
Terwilliger turning on to Rabbit Hill Road. It's uh, two left turning lanes, and my goodness, people there just don't know how to operate it sometimes. Like Maybe you're unfamiliar with the area, but it can be dangerous. Uh, Brett texting in says, a little bit of snow here in Nisku. Nothing crazy, though. Well, that's good. It, was, it wasn't bad when I was driving in. It was a nice little walk across my parkade to get to the, the car, and then in the car, no big deal. Roads are okay. But as always, just be uh, be cautious out there. Uh, of course, I'm sure you guys talked about it on the Kevin Carius show, which runs from 7 to 11. If you missed it, check out the podcast. The Edmonton Oilers victorious last night, defeating the Philadelphia Flyers in a Connor McDavid, kind of a Connor McDavid night. He saw Warren Fogle put up five points and thought, yeah, I can do that too. He went out there, scored one goal, had four helpers, and they weren't sloppy, you know, dump in the puck let someone win a battle and you get the assist Connor mcdavid was dropping dimes last night and he was on fire for the edmonton oilers ryan Eugen hopkins as well he had two goals and an assist zach hyman one goal two assists uh, that line right now is just unbelievable what they've been able to do on the back end cody cc and vinnie darnay picking up helpers uh a rare night where evan bouchard doesn't score or set up a goal uh, but between the pipes Stuart skinner was on last night, 35 saves on 37 attempts. If you had him in fantasy, you got to like that. Uh, on the flip side for Philadelphia, maybe at Konechny, maybe at Farabee. Uh, they each had two points in the loss. Carter Hart, 31 saves on 36 attempts. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, are they back? Because they're, they're, I mean, streaky, but they might be back. It, it is very much uh, in that you know, realm of conversation right now. The Oilers are, in fact, back. Of course, the eight-game winning streak, another uh, couple L's in a row, but now bouncing back with six straight. And some of them against some really good teams, obviously. Um, the peop- the Yes, the Flyers at the end of a road trip, uh, coming out of the break, kind of a tough spot for them. Um, and, and it's funny, you know, Carter Hart gives up five goals, but he also made a couple of, uh, you know, 10-bell saves. Uh, he did his best to hold a minute, but I think you could clearly see in the probably end of the first period, and beyond into to the end of the game that the Flyers were a little bit out of steam. You have to really credit them for for kind of crawling out of that 2 nothing hole, but as soon as the Oilers got the third and fourth, you knew it was pretty well over. They're, they're kind of out of juice to uh, to mount a second uh, in-game comeback. Uh, Mark Stahl, uh, offensive weapon uh, with... Uh, <laughs> the with dynamo. The, the, the offensive dynamo jumping up into the rush. Um, you know, the Flyers are still a good team, and, and yes, we didn't expect them to be, so I think that might in some fans' minds, discount this win a little bit. But keep them, we talked about it yesterday. The Flyers are one of the stingiest teams mm-hmm. in terms of giving up goals. You put up a five spot on them um, and Carter Hart, that's uh, that's something to hang your hat on. And honestly, I think it probably could have been more. I talked about the you know Hart making some big saves. And yes, Warren Fogle and Ryan McLeod have been very good, uh, this new-look second line with Leon Dreisaitl. But I, there are still moments where I see where it is like a drop-off in skill obviously from Leon Dreisaitl to his line mates because there are times he will put the puck on their tape whether it's a one-timer opportunity and like if there was a similar ilk caliber player to Leon or if it was maybe uh, Nuge, Connor McDavid, one of these other top tier players it probably would have been a goal as well still ended up in a good scoring chance good save made whatever the case but you have that sometimes I see that I think if Leon was playing with like players of actual his similar skill set it probably could have been a couple more on the board, but it was the t- it was the top lines uh, night to behold eleven points between them. Um, whereas kind of Sunday was that second lines um, showcase, I guess, because I think they had ten amongst the three of them on Sunday. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 
Right now, and I'm just looking ahead to the Oilers' schedule. I think Gregor touched on it. The the opponents right now, not the toughest. Very I'm gonna, poor. I'm going to throw their t- the names at you. You tell me if it's a winnable game, a very winnable game, or a tough game. Because I think every game for the Oilers is winnable, but to a certain extent. So, next up, on Saturday, Ottawa. Uh, I don't know what the Sens did, because they got uh, kind of whomped last night in Vancouver. I don't know what they play between last night and um, Saturday when the Oilers, you know, they've got a few days off. That's I don't think that's ever going to be an easy game, even though the Sens kind of stink this year. I'm going to say it's a winnable game, not a very winnable game. They go to Seattle. And the then Sens do, and then back to... Back to Edmonton. Back to Edmonton. Or, or, oh, yeah, this is the Oilers' last home game before uh, heading out on the road for a couple. Okay, I'll, you know what? I'll move that to a very winnable game. Very winnable. Okay. Then you got Chicago next Tuesday. Very winnable game. Detroit. Winnable game. Montreal. Winnable game. Toronto. That's a tough game. That's a tough game. I mean, the the the, the Leafs kind of going through what the Oilers did a uh, matter of a few months ago, just mired in goaltending trouble. I think <laughs> their rookie call-up, 22-year-old uh, Hildeby, I believe the name is, uh, I think he might get the start tonight in Anaheim. Leafs on a back-to-back after uh, Martin Jones blanking his, uh, yeah. his old club in L.A. Good, Good story for him. For him. Um, I, I honestly was a little concerned about a lot. Like Obviously, Samsonov has been um, not very good in, in Toronto this year. Uh, after he was a very pleasant surprise for them last season uh, after being, you know, not retained by Washington. Got a lot of pedigree for him. All that aside, like Martin Jones, this is a tried and true veteran. This is a guy who's played in the Stanley Cup final as a starting goaltender uh, for the Sharks back in 2016, I think it was. So, like, Martin Jones very capable of kind of shouldering the load for the Leafs, even if it is a, a young guy kind of getting in the mix here with Hildeby. Maybe they try and track down another veteran they can bring in um, who's available free agency, Aaron Dell. We'd already seen him on a PTO this uh, earlier this year, just finished up at the Spangler Cup. So the Leafs are going to have to explore options. The Oilers, thankfully, not really in that market at least right now, because I think between Cal Pickard and Stuart Skinner, you're pretty comfortable with the goaltending. But that Leafs game, um, yeah, circle that one. It's kind of the next big one, I guess, on the Oilers' schedule. Seattle. Winnable. Winnable. Not very winnable. Winnable. Seattle's on a roll. They're rolling right now. Yeah. Joey Decord. Uh, Who saw that coming? Calgary Flames, Hockey Night in Canada. The fact it's Hockey Night in Canada, I will switch it to a winnable. I would normally put it, because, like, the, the on, let's be honest. This version of the Flames and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and co, they kind of own the this version of Calgary. Um, Hockey Night in Canada puts a little extra juice on the line. That'll downgrade it to just winnable. But still not, they're still not a tough matchup, I don't think. Columbus, Chicago, Nashville. Very, very tough. And then Leon's going to score 12. That's, yeah, <laughs> talk, talk about good matchups. Yeah, Leon loves the, the Preds. Is that what in, in Smashville or back home? In Edmonton. In Edmonton. Nice 2 o'clock start on Saturday. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, I'll put that one as a tough matchup. The Oilers uh, afternoon his, game. Historically struggle with the matinee games. I think, I think they've been better lately, but over a longer uh, sample size, they struggle with the afternoon matchups. And Nashville, another team, they're kind of rolling. They're still ahead of the Oilers on the standing, so you don't... Uh, if UC Saros is between the pipes, that's never going to be an easy game, no matter what. Tickets as low as $63 for those looking. And then you're into the all-star break. So as we go through it, a lot of winnable games for the Edmonton Oilers. A lot of very winnable games. Four games in hand on a lot of teams. So you handle your business, and we get to the all-star break, and all of a sudden, or the, the end of the month, and we're thinking, maybe they got this. Uh, text coming in from Chomskers. Destroyed the finals, boys. Went with Flacco, Ford, Etienne, Lamb, Flowers, Hall, Hill, Green bat defense. <laughs> Clearly Green Bay and Tucker. Huge win. Well done, Chomskers. Congrats. 
I got paid yesterday for my uh, and you know what, Connor? I talked about it. Big payout for my dynasty league. I also got a bonus. Uh, we have <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, my league was so impressed with me. They gave me a bonus check. Nice no. commission. Um, we have. I for, I'd forgotten about this. We'd allocated. I think it was just seventy five bucks of uh, everyone's entry fees for. We just set like a point total. At the start of the season, I think it was 91 points, and who, which is obviously a pretty low one, but whoever was closest to exactly 91 points got a $75 bonus. And I guess I was. Must have been one of my bad weeks. Not bad. So, I mean, hey, <laughs> that, that on top of what I already won in my uh, championship uh, take-home, I'm laughing. I'm laughing. And the Nardog says, Skinner and McLeod both likely are taking that important step right now, looking confident out there, 100%. I think Vinny Darnay is starting to take some steps in the right direction. And then he says, side note, is my name too inappropriate to say on air? It's just a reference from the office. Isn't he the Nard Pup? Well, <laughs> no, he he dreams of having some Nard Pups. Oh, I, I thought his dad was the Nard Dog. He was the Nard Pup or something. Well, no, he's the Nard Dog. <laughs> How about that after he comes back from anger management and he tries to people, he's like, call, I, me, I, Andrew. call, call me Drew. <laughs> yeah, call, me Drew. <laughs> call me Drew now. And Jim's just like, I'm not doing that. Not like, what? Do that. That's kind of a dick move, actually. It is. Like, if he's like, you know, he's trying to like be a better version of himself, he's like sort of changing his identity, leaving his angry self behind, and they just totally reject it. That's that's not a that's not a healthy work environment. That would never happen here. No, we'd call you by whatever you want. Uh, Andrew Bernard talking about when he was in college, like pound Silco, <laughs> late for class or whatever. Never or never missed a class. Got, got straight A's. Called me Buzz. Got straight B's. Like one of the weirdest he's, rants. He's, he's, got, he's got like nine different nicknames. Yeah, <laughs> called me Ace. Each of them was six <laughs> degrees of separation from what the start of the story was. Just, yeah, just one of his classic moments. Yeah, I've got it saved on my phone. I might just watch. He was it. a great character, and then he became a bad character at the end. Very quick uh, office tangent. Thanks to uh, Nard Dog texting in. The Nard Dog. Yeah. Also, uh, we also we we didn't finalize the movie we're gonna watch this week. We're gonna pick that up as both Brandon and I kind of rooks when it comes to watching a lot of movies so uh, if you want got any recommendations i think fargo might be the leader because brandon hasn't seen it yet yeah what's the ter- a cinephile that's someone who's like a big into movies i think so we're gonna become cinephiles i mean i'm halfway there true you've already seen 52 prob- <laughs> probably all 52 more than me although i know there were some that you watched that i'd already seen yeah. but let's let's call it a rough 45 maybe head start text those in one eight three three four zero one. 1440 movies you think we should watch we'll do this every week we'll try to do ones that we can stream for free Uh, occasionally we might have to rent them that's okay brandon's got so much money from fantasy football he can probably treat and uh, we'll see what we get in here maddie c says pool hall junkies great flick okay keep those coming in when we come back we're going to talk to zach lang of oilers nation and daily faceoff fantasy get his thoughts on what you might want to do tonight in a daily fantasy we'll see if the Oilers are back and I told them we're going to talk a little Chicago Bears because I'm very intrigued with the Bears will do this upcoming offseason duh Bears trade fields or do you keep them you keep them I Caleb I start, Williams I, is generational I, well, well uh, I'll save most of this for for Zach but there's I've seen some uh rumors floating around about what the f- package apparently the package for this year's first round pick to stay in the top five for Chicago will even be bigger than what they got for last year's top pick that's just rumors, but I've seen it. Bryce Young is not Caleb Williams. I certainly hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Okay, we'll take a break. It is Fantasy Frenzy brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Hallie and Douglas here on Sports 1440. 
11.24, it is Fantasy Frenzy here on Sports 1440, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, home of Alberta's best beef jerky. Check them out online at wilhockbeefjerky.com. Connor Halley, Brandon Douglas with you. 1-833-401-1440. Uh, we're getting another uh, movie recommendation, Apocalypto. I've seen that. I actually really enjoy that movie. I don't know if you've seen that. I think Mel Gibson directed it after Passion of the Christ. I haven't seen it. Okay, well, we'll put that one on the list for you at some point. Sure. Uh, keep those texts coming in here. We're going to do a little movie watch. We've done it before, but Brandon and I kind of slacking on the big movies. So uh, keep the text coming in here. Movies we should potentially take a look at going forward. Right now, though, we're going to get to our Fantasy Wizard brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Hockey lives at the CBH. Join them during every Oilers game for your chance to win two tickets to an upcoming game at Rogers Play, plus tankards of Molson Canadian and Coors Light on special during games. Always a good time down at the CBH. Zach Lang joins us from Oilers Nation as well as Daily Faceoff Fantasy. Zach, good morning. How are you doing? Gentlemen, I'm doing well. I'm doing good. Uh, nice win for the Edmonton Oilers last night. I've been on an absolute heater on DFS last week. Things are going good for me. Now, the question we started off the show with, are the Oilers back? I think the Oilers are back. I mean, I, it's, it's really impressive the way that they're playing right now. And, you know, we can sit here and say, oh, yeah, look at McDavid hitting the 900-point mark. But there were some more interesting comments that kind of came out of last night with, you know, guys like Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Connor McDavid and Chris Knobloch talking about, you know, the Oilers showing some patience in their game right now, right? I mean, you know, the, the Oilers took a 2 nothing lead. The game was tied up at 2 as Knobloch said last night, you know, a couple of months ago, and all of a sudden that's a disaster for the Oilers, and they're losing that game to the Flyers, and instead they're able to stay patient and kind of uh, strike when the iron is hot and they need to and come back for the win. So uh, I'm feeling very good about where this Oilers team is right now. Um, I think this recent run that they've been on is, is setting themselves up uh, well to get back into a playoff position sooner rather than later. Zach, in a, I mean, we'll get into the fantasy talk for sure, but when you look just at what the team has accomplished since Coach Knobloch and Coach Coffey came here, uh, has there been anything that stood out to you? Because I, I asked this question to Gregor in five questions, like, you know, had they been a little more patient with Jay Woodcroft and Manson, would this have happened eventually? Uh, what What do you think? Yeah, I'm of the belief that if the Oilers did wait around with Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson, that this kind of a turnaround would have happened. I mean, you look at the way the Oilers have played the last three or four seasons, and it's like the lead-up to Christmas is this, like, slow slog where the Oilers are, you know, kind of right around 500, and, you know, they lose a couple of games that are pretty ugly, and then all of a sudden, right around Christmas time and into the new year, they start to turn it on and then go on this huge heater down the the back half of the season. Um, In the same breath, too, like, you know, you almost start to wonder now if the message was starting to get a little bit lost with Jay Woodcroft and Manson. And I don't think that's particularly a good thing to have happen here because it's not like Jay Woodcroft was in Edmonton very long as a head coach, right? So, you know, I think that the, the turnaround would have happened at some point. But again, and, and I talked about this at the time of the, the firing and the hiring too, the Oilers really couldn't wait around to do something. And I think it's pretty clear that they couldn't find you know, a move on the trade market at the time to shake the, the team up the way that they needed to. And, you know, I, I don't think that anybody can sit here and say that it was a mistake to hire Knobloch and Coffee uh, in the roles that they have now because uh, the proof is in the pudding if you look at what this team's done. 
Zach Lang joining us here on Fantasy Frenzy on Sports 1440. Connor Halley, Brandon Douglas with you today. You can check out his work at Oilers Nation, the Jays Nation, as well as Daily Faceoff Fantasy. And give him a follow on Twitter and or X at ZJ Lang. Uh, Zach, uh, Daily Faceoff, uh, you, you know, you guys are doing great work there, pumping out the content for fantasy. And you talked about it. You're on a little bit of a heater when it comes to Daily Fantasy Sports. Tonight, only two games. Are you a fan of these slow nights where, you, you know, you might have to look a, a little bit deeper into the squads that are going out there? Yeah, I'm a little torn on these these small two-game slates like you got tonight because I think in one hand it's a great opportunity to get different with your lineups. And if you want to get to the top of some of these larger contests, you have to do that. Uh, but in the other side, of the, the other side of it is is that um, you know these small states can be a lot more volatile uh, in terms of you know for example maybe Toronto struggled against Anaheim tonight and the Austin Matthews line uh, scores only one goal or maybe two goals now that's a that that would be a decent night of fantasy production for any other line but when you're looking at the salaries that are involved and trying to equate for the value that you need uh, to get as, as many good players in your lineup as you can. It definitely forces you to get different on a slate like tonight. So um, it, it depends on the way that you you kind of look at it. Zach Lang from uh, Oilers Nation as well as Daily Faceoff Fantasy joining us here on Fantasy Frenzy with Hallie and Douglas on Sports 1440. Uh, Zach, you touched on that uh, Leafs and Ducks game, one of just two on the slate tonight. The Leafs goaltending situation has been, uh, you know, one of the hottest topics across the league here over the last week or so with Ilya Samsonov being uh, waved down to the minors. Martin Jones went last night and getting the shutout in L.A. Um, just checking in on uh, DFO right now and still no certified starter yet for Toronto tonight, but the uh, the rookie hill to be Dennis. Um, do, do you think he gets a look tonight against kind of what is a weaker Anaheim team? And uh, But if they go back to Jones, are you comfortable starting him as the most expensive goaltender on the back-to-back, or are you looking elsewhere for your goalie slot? Yeah, I'm probably going to be looking elsewhere for the goalie slot either way. I don't really love what we've seen from Toronto in terms of their net minders this season. And then, and I think in the bigger picture, you know, rostering a, a 7,900 uh, Dennis Hill might not be the best way to go. But in the same breath, none of the goaltending options on this slate would really be all that appetizing as a whole. Because no, they're sure I think not. all of these teams have, have struggled in net this year. So you're kind of, you know, it's going to be a bit of a, an even split, I think, for me in terms of my ownership uh, through all of the goaltenders. Because I don't think that there's one above the rest that you can really uh, put a lot of trust into. On the uh, on the flip side of that goaltending equation, like you said, uh, none of these teams with the strength in the net per se. Um, so on the offensive side of it, then where where are you looking? We we saw the Anaheim Ducks get absolutely lit up by the Oilers on Sunday. Um, are you stacking Leafs uh, tonight? Uh, some expensive options, of course, at the top of the table with Matthews, Nylander, Marner, and Co. Uh, or do you maybe thinking uh, to dig a little deeper and whether it is on the back to back for for Jones or the rookie Hill to be? Do you think you can get uh, some good prices on some Ducks to maybe fill out? Uh, fill out your roster today yeah definitely i mean i think if you're you're building 20 lineups or even more than that you're definitely getting a good amount of toronto in there right i mean at the end of the day uh this is a a, a maple leafs team that is packed with offensive talents they can score at will and they can have games where they'll go off and tonight is obviously a spot uh, where you can go off now in terms of trying to get a little bit different with the lineups you know, one thing that I love to do is stack the power plays as well, and that's mm. something that I'll be looking to do with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, it's probably going to be a little bit expensive to get uh, all five of their power play players on there, but, you know, if you can get a combination of Matthews, Tavares, and Nylander, um, I think that's a really good way to go as well. I am, I am interested in the Anaheim side in this game for sure, too. I mean, their top line has some players that can produce points. Mason McTavish, Frank Petrano, Alex 
Horn. Uh, these aren't huge offensive powerhouse players, but when you look at the ownership numbers and those guys are coming in around 10 or 15, 20% even lower than Toronto guys, it's a great way to get different. Uh, speaking of which, Toronto's third line, Max Domi, Nicholas Robertson, and Cal Yarncroft, that's a group that I'm going to have some interest in tonight in some lineups they are very very affordable and easy to fit in with some of the more expensive players if you're building around you know the new jersey devils top line or their power play stacks or even if you're going with some uh, some washington uh, power play stacks as well zach lang from uh, oilers nation as well as daily face-off fantasy our guest here on fantasy frenzy on sports 1440 uh zach quickly to touch on um that other game on the slate tonight the devils and the capitals before we uh, maybe talk a little football and some chicago bears with you heading into uh, their final game of the season um over on the this other game devils and caps uh, alex ovechkin he's actually been kind of you know heating up a little bit if you compare it to maybe how he's played the rest of the season not his uh, career as a whole the Devils continue to be a team that leaves you wanting a little bit more, but they still know how to score goals. So uh, what, what are some names you like out of uh, this matchup in uh, the American capital tonight? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, an interesting matchup, to say the least. I know one thing that I'll probably be doing a little bit is some mini stacks of Alex Ovechkin and John Carlson together in lineups. Uh, obviously, they're on the top power play unit, and they correlate pretty well in terms of their ability to produce offense. I don't have a ton of interest in the Washington, Washington side in this game. Uh, they're a group that struggles to drive play as a whole when it comes to uh, offensive 5v5. But the New Jersey Devils, I mean, how can you not get excited about them? They've got a ton of offensive talent, and they have been scoring at will this season and producing a whole ton of points. I've probably got a little bit more interest tonight in the Nico Heischer, Andre Platt, Eric Hollow line solely to get a little bit different. I mean, that top line is looking at uh, 30% ownership at the very least on tonight's slate. That is a massive, massive number for them, uh, especially when you consider some of the other spots where you can kind of get a little bit different in your lineups as well. So I think playing some New Jersey too is going to be a great idea here tonight, uh, as well as, you know, mixing in a little bit of that Washington power play unit, I think too, because at the end of the day, the New Jersey Devils are gettable in terms of uh, being able to score against them. They've, they've struggled to really... Uh, clamp down defensively the way they had in the last couple of years. So uh, it's going to be a really fascinating slate here tonight. And if you're looking to get in on the action, uh, head over to dailyfaceoff.com and you can check out some of the DFS charts uh, that my colleague Brock Segan puts together and a daily faceoff value plays article uh, that'll be live around three o'clock Mountain Time this afternoon. Zach Lang joining us here from Oilers Nation and Daily Faceoff as well. Uh, Zach, you're a renowned Bears fan. And I could make this question very intricate and uh, very wordy, but what do the Bears do this offseason? They're going to have the first overall pick. You have a franchise quarterback, but there is a generational talent coming. So what what would you do if your polls, the Bears GM uh, in this offseason with all the luxuries that they have? Yeah, I mean, talk about a rock and a hard place situation for the Bears. As you mentioned, Justin Fields has had a great stretch run since he's come back from injury, looking like one of the most productive quarterbacks in the entire NFL. And now, of course, Fields' production can come from his legs as well from his arm. Um, but he's, he's a guy who can run and take off and make plays with his legs. Uh, I thought it was a really impressive game against Atlanta last weekend from Fields, arguably his best game as a pro. And Atlanta's got a bit of an underrated defense. Like, I think people tend to forget that they are a top-ten defensive team in the NFL. You know, it's a really difficult decision that the Bears are going to have to make because, you know, one of the biggest things that I think has to be taken into consideration is the contract factors, right? You know, Justin Fields is going to be entering his fourth year in the NFL here. 
he's going to have his fifth-year option that the Bears need to decide upon this offseason. Um, you know, in a year or two, he could be making 20 to $35 million or even more as a starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears, whereas with a young rookie quarterback like Caleb Williams, say, um, you know, you're getting four or five years of that rookie deal, and that kind of resets the clock that way. Now, of course, the other side of it is if you listen to anything the Chicago Bears players are saying, are saying and the Chicago Bears fans, they're saying they want Justin Fields to stick around. I tend to agree with that. I am a big Justin Fields fan. Uh, I've really been impressed with the way that he's grown over the, number, the last number of years. And I think the biggest thing, too, is the package that the Bears could get for that first overall pick. I mean, there's already conversation and chatter about the Hall being bigger than what they got last year in the draft when they traded away first overall to the Carolina Panthers. You know, the Bears got two or three first-round picks. They got a couple of late-round picks, and they got D.J. Moore, who has looked incredible alongside Justin Fields. You know, there's going to be more quarterbacks coming down the line over the next couple of years, too. You look at Shadira Sanders from Colorado, Archie Manning from Texas, uh, a couple of other interesting names in the mix as well. So I just think that the ability to trade that pick and get that return where you could be looking at three first-round picks, other, you know, second and thirds, as well as a roster player potentially, um, I think the value on that is just way too good to pass up. Well, it's going to be great drama throughout the offseason. The NFL just continues to generate it. Zach, thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate it as always, and uh, we'll have to get you on again down the road here. Thanks for having me, guys. There you go. Zach Lang, Oilers Nation, Daily Faceoff Fantasy. Give him a follow on Twitter and or X at ZJ Lang. Uh, Brandon, you're the Bears. What do you do? I'm trading it. I I, I I think I'm laying pretty solidly. I'm not too wishy-washy on this particular topic because, like Zach said, Justin Fields has looked like who we thought he was at the end of last season when it kind of finally seemed like they'd figure out the offensive scheme to suit his talents instead of what we saw the start of this year where they were trying to turn him into a pocket passer. Athletes like this are hard to come by. That one play against the Falcons this past weekend where he avoids the first sack, then spins out from underneath the second before throwing the ball for uh, for what I think was a first down, if I recall correctly. Like He is a talented guy, and you can continue to work on things and maybe make him a better passer, but the, the ability with the legs... Look at Lamar Jackson right now. He doesn't. Uh, this isn't Lamar Jackson we saw in his MVP campaign in terms of how much he runs the ball. Uh, he is. He has developed into a better pocket passer. So you can teach guys these things uh, and, and develop certain skill sets. You cannot teach athleticism. That that is a God given talent. And Justin Fields has it. So is Caleb Williams that much better than what Justin Fields is right now? We don't know. He, Heisman winner looked like a world beater at USC last season. This year, kind of looked like maybe his development stagnated a little bit, and maybe that's because the pro, the rest of the team wasn't as good. Their defense was absolutely atrocious, so he had to try and maybe do too much sometimes to keep them in games. I'm not as sold on Caleb Williams as a like generational-type, no-doubt, number-one prospect. Um, like At the start of the season, it was, it was for sure, right? Uh, and I think he'll still certainly be the number one pick. But in terms of his long-term forecast, I think it's on a little bit of rockier ground than it was. So if I'm the Bears, I'm trading the pick. Um, try and keep yourself in the top three, certainly the top five, uh, and try and get yourself maybe Marv Harrison Jr., maybe one of the great uh, couple O-linemen that are up for grabs uh, out of, I think, Penn and Notre Dame are the top two guys. So... There's there's enough names that you can still get a really good player in the top five area, plus your own pick just outside the top ten. 
not to mention whatever else you're hauling in uh, for years down the road. And like Zach said, maybe another roster player to round out your defense or offense too. So I'm trading it 100%. Uh, I think Field still has more to show, and I'm not uh, quite cutting rope on him just yet. I love Justin Fields, but I trade him. The, the, the reports say the market for Justin Fields is a second or third round pick. Good. The market for the first overall pick is a first within the top five this year, another first next year, potentially even a third first round pick in addition to maybe some, uh, you know, kind of mid to, to later round picks as well. I just think the package is too tantalizing. And like I said, is Caleb Williams that much better than what Justin Fields is right now? And even like, cause you're not signing him to a long-term contract. If he does exercise the fifth year option. Yeah. Who knows? It might cost you uh, even more if he goes off and, and all of a sudden, but at that point, you have a franchise QB, pay him. We've seen other teams do it uh, with <laughs> players not as talented as Justin Fields. Uh, looking at you, Daniel Jones. So I'm, uh, I, I, I'm, if I'm the Bears and I'm a Bears fan, I'm comfortable riding with Fields uh, heading into next season. The thing that, that does worry me is that Justin Fields has been inconsistent and he's had injuries. So, yeah, he, he could pan out. He could continue to do what he does and progress the way he, he has, which hasn't been up and down. But let's just say, you know, top end, he is who we think he is. You, you're, he's not going to take a small deal. No, he's not going to be like, I'll take a team friendly deal. No, Pro and the Bears also have been handing out some big contracts. I think they had to give Montez Sweat a ton of money to keep him here. Yeah, if you were to trade him away for a second round pick, whatever it might be, you go with Caleb Williams, and you're right, Caleb Williams, Justin Fields, is is the gap there. But what if Caleb Williams takes that step? You know, and you have you traded away that second round or you, you draft an offensive lineman there or at 10 or 12, wherever it ends up being, you draft an offensive lineman. You surround him with Marvin Harrison Jr. or Rome. Adunze? Adun- from Washington? Washington? Yeah. yeah, like one of those two guys. Like You could still trade down from that one spot, go to three, get a top-tier receiver and add picks, surround. You know, If you're, if you're going to keep fields, I mean, then you can build around it. I, I just think like if you're... I wouldn't get too attached to Justin Fields. I would say... Whatever's going to give me the most return, whether it's trading that first or trading fields, let's go for it. One one uh, last hypothetical. I'll let you stew on this uh, as we head to break. I will. Would you trade both? Would you trade down to somewhere else in the uh, top 10, pick one of the other quarterbacks that is left there for you, and trade Justin Fields so you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. You're not going to get as good of a quarterback for next season. Like if maybe someone in your scouting department sees something that they really like and you really, you know, jump at a guy like Jane Daniels. I don't think Michael Penix Jr. will go that high, but maybe you trade uh, down again and accumulate more picks to the middle of the first round where you're comfortable taking a guy like Penix. Um, it's like, is, is that something you'd even entertain? Food for thought. I don't know. To me, you, you if you're going to take a quarterback, you have to take the best one. That that's kind of the the big kicker on it, right? Like, if if you if you're making a change, make the change for the de facto guy. Don't yeah. take, don't take another chance. Don't take another risk. Otherwise, you have Justin Fields. But I I just think like if he stinks, then you missed on a generational talent. Yeah. And if he goes and then balls out, then you have to pay him like an elite quarterback, and that could. You know, you could look at Caleb Williams and say, geez, we could have had him for a lot cheaper. But it's a good point because, you know, geez, you look at all these these potential quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, J.J. McCarthy, Quinn Ewers, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. There's some good quarterbacks there. Yeah, and I, I, I gushed about it all day yesterday across both the Carrier Show and our program. Like, after watching that semifinal, like, I am so high on Michael Penix. I don't care that he's 24. Yeah. Like, 
that guy can throw the football. If, if you're drafting him and expecting him to play 12, 15 years, and who cares if it's 22 or 24? That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> you know, like We'll joke about it. Because but. how many times have we seen guys only come out after one year and be total bust? Yeah. Trubitsky? Like, he started, what, 11 games at UNC before getting drafted? And we saw, like, that's, that it's not enough. Play, I don't see why playing longer in college, and if you're dominating in your last year or two, why is that a bad thing? Why is that a knock on your draft status? That is one thing that really befuddles me uh, about the NFL and its uh, its draft process. Because I mean, there's no minor leagues. Look at uh, Bajent out of, when he played with Chicago. <laughs> and it was like, oh, well, he, he's, he's done, you know, he, he didn't play the highest level. Well, he played a lot of football. He yeah. went through a lot of scenarios. He He's an NFL player. Yeah. He's not going to start. He's not going to be a franchise guy. But, yeah, getting reps certainly does matter. And... It, yeah, it's going to be an awesome draft. Draft time is always the best. Sugar Sean says, if you trade fields and you're stuck developing another quarterback with no guarantee they're going to pan out, I think the Bears are better off drafting for need and keeping him. Yeah, 100%. But, I mean, if, let's say, Caleb Williams is Mahomes in year two, it could happen. He could also be Trubisky. You never know when they hit the pros, but... If you were to do that and, you know, the Bears, let's say you trade down to three, you draft Marvin Harrison or an offensive lineman, you have maybe Malik Neighbors as a guy you can draft at 10 or 12. Odunze. Man, there's some good receivers too. It's going to be awesome. Being a Bears fan will be a lot of fun, I think, this offseason. We better take a break, though. We are quite late. When we come back, uh, we will get back into the inbox and... We will uh, let you know what's coming up on the station today. That was our Fantasy Wizard brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Our house is your house at the Canadian Brew House. Hallie Douglas, it's Fantasy Frenzy here on Sports 1440. Welcome back. It is Fantasy Frenzy here on Sports 1440 brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky, locations in Leduc, Spruce Grove, and right here in West Edmonton Mall. Swing by, grab a bag of jerky. I think we got some in the fridge, actually. One piece left. And then swing by the studio. Give us a wave. Take a selfie. Post it on social media. Tell your friends. That's actually the big one. You got to tell your friends that we're back. We still get people that will text in. Just heard you guys are on air again. We're here. Tell your dads. Tell your dads. Tell your moms. Tell maybe, those. Maybe they. Maybe they're not on social media and they don't know or they haven't seen uh, any of our other, you know, words, birds the word type, uh, getting it around that that we are back. We have a billboard. Y- yeah. Maybe they haven't seen it. <laughs> maybe they don't drive on. I think it's over on the south side, right? I saw it coming back from the brew house in Leduc. So, yeah, it's on, like, the highway coming back like, w- kind of from the airport. I've been coming back from Delburn a lot over the holidays, and maybe I'm just a total zone-out driver, which I will admit I kind of am. I got uh, – usually on those longer drives, I prefer music to, um, you know, whether it be talk radio or catching up on uh, some other stuff just because it helps keep me more alert if I'm jamming out in the truck. And I'm too busy jamming. I, I drive right up Highway 2 from Red Deer right to the Henday, and I haven't seen it. I'll take, keep a closer look at well, the next is, time. It's one of those digital ones that changes. Oh. So the time does have to be perfect. I'm also not a huge billboard gazer. I don't let advertising affect me. No? No, I'm just kidding. It it affects me so easily. I'll see, I'll see an, a commercial like uh, our good friends at McDonald's. They'll be like advertising their new version of the Quarter Pounder. Oh. I'll be like, I have to try that. They have a new maple. <laughs> yeah, it's like maple oh. barbecue bacon. I've had it. Because I saw the ad. I mean, you go to Wilhock like twice a week, so. Also, <laughs> this is our show. I, we're, we're reading the ads, and it's affecting me. It works. Uh, today on the Lowdown with Low Tide, coming up immediately following us here on Fantasy Frenzy, 
Well, they got a lot to get to. Of course, the Oilers won, so they're going to be very positive when the show gets going. They'll do rumors at 12.20. At 1 o'clock, they will have Bruce McCurdy joining them, and then at 1.20, Paul Sir, former pro coach and player, talking a little NBA. Of course, the Raptors, R.J. Barrett. Did you know Ben Stiller is a big Knicks fan and uses his Twitter account to only tweet Knicks? I think I knew the first part. I did not know the second part. I just like... Like I said, I was up at three. I, I had to stay busy and I got onto like his Twitter feed and he's like, this is a tough one. Still need time to process it. How does Ben Stiller feel about uh, that's what he doesn't know how to process. That's what the, he said. Like I'm still processing this. What, trade. He, what has he thought about OG's uh, one game in or do you get it? Has he played a second? Not he must sure. Must have played a second by now. He is happy about OG and precious and he like was just wishing RJ the best and he's like RJ IQ wish you guys the best. <laughs> Loved ya. And then like Loved Jerry Ferreira, turtle from Entourage, is like <laughs> tweeting about it and he's retweeting it. Yeah, check it out for sure. Uh, AZ, AZ. Hey guys, I got Goff, Jones, Watson, and Bryce Young. I screwed up the draft last year with Young. Should I go for another QB and move on from the, these ones? It's Dynasty PPR rookie draft format. Goff, Jones, Watson, Bryce Young. In my experience in Dynasty rookie drafts, which is my biggest league, um, it's the one I won this year. No big deal. I'd never take a quarterback. Usually one of them, one of like the rookies will still be there on waivers come the first week before the first week of the season. And uh, maybe you, maybe your league's different. Like guys really jump on QBs. I, I simply don't. And, and people in my league do not like basically the first overall pick has got taken usually in the second or third round in our leagues over the past, in our league over the past couple of years. But, like, man, running backs are so hard to come by. If a running back gets picked early in the draft or um, – and by early, I mean, you know, doesn't have to be Jameer Gibbs or B. John Robinson. Like, first, second round running backs, they're probably going to get a pretty decent shot to get reps. It's always, about, it's always about how the depth chart profiles out following the draft and free agency, about where you're going to target guys um, in your rookie draft and usually August is when we do ours, right, uh, right before training camp kind of wraps up um, so you know where injuries are at and whatnot. But – I think you're way better suited to go for um, a running back or a wide receiver. Brock Bowers, who knows where he's going to land, and he's obviously a very tantalizing option. We know how bad tight ends can be in fantasy sometimes. So um, AZ, I'm saying no. Hold on to, like, I think if you have Jared Goff and Deshaun Watson as your two quarterbacks, and I assume that's Daniel Jones, even him instead of uh, maybe Watson as your backup, I think you're way better off there, and uh, depending where you draft, grabbing a, a different a position player instead of a QB. I would definitely agree. Uh, a couple of those names I wouldn't even consider keeping, but yeah, I would look uh, look at the draft for that. Jeff says, what about merch? I don't know, Jeff. I don't know what that's in reference to. Follow up with us. Sports 1440 merch? Man, the hats flew off the shelves. We, we could not keep the hats. I actually had to stop taking them to give away at Thursday Night Football because we ran low so quickly because uh, they were gobbled up. Like the odd time you'd run uh, some contests on the social pages, Connor, like the people, people wanted them. Yeah. They're like gold. We had people that would like, or like DM the account. You guys do another contest this week? Like, no, can I, can I buy a hat? Yeah. And we're like, sorry, no, like we have so few, we can't, we actually can't sell them. We're only giving them away, but hopefully that will uh, change. Maybe hopefully. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge in the new year. It is the new year. 
Slurpee Sean says, morning, fellas. Just want to thank you guys for all the help this year. I got the three-peat. Well done. Going for four in a row next year. Duke, did you start A-chan in championship week? I did not in uh, my aforementioned Dynasty League, but that one did not matter. I won quite handily uh, playing DeAndre Swift over Devon A-chan. Um, obviously not a huge, huge week for him, but it kind of fit into, I was like, if I want to win, I need to win with my, my ride or die guys, which have been DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, my team na- aptly named uh, in my Taylor Swift era and uh, preceded by what my record is when both those guys play, which was seven and three, I think seven and three in my Taylor, in my Taylor Swift era. Not bad. Not bad at all. I, I should mention also, we got the Jason Greger show coming up at two o'clock. Looking from Steven Ellis, the daily face off Tyler, your from Oilers nation, Mike Rupp, we got the ski report since it is Wednesday. Mark Spector at 5 o'clock. Oil Kings GM Kurt Hill will join us at 520 and much, much more. We didn't even touch on David Tepper throwing his drink at that person. $300,000 fine. Yeah, quite the dent in his uh, personal <laughs> wealth fund. 20 bill? I yeah, think that's how much he's it's, worth. It's a lot. He's worth like $20 billion. It was, it was less than a tenth of a percent of his total value. $300,000. Still a big hit. That's a lot of money, but not to a guy like that. It's that guy who did it. It's Sue. And then we didn't even get to the Reese's girl who sued. Oh, my gosh. We'll get to that tomorrow. So maybe. much to talk about tomorrow. <laughs> Instead, I'm going to throw to an update with Brandon Douglas brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky locations in Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton. Well, WilhawkBeefJerky.com.